Welcome back into the mental game where this week's guest is trainer Erica Lugo. Thinking of that is like terrifying. I have a beautiful life and great kids and I just remember crying. And I cry now not because I'm still sad but because I'm like, I can't believe I was there. And in this episode, Erica opens up about her weight loss journey where she lost 160 pounds. Then she became a trainer on The Biggest Loser. We also talk about what it was like for her to battle thyroid cancer. And for the first time ever publicly, she is opening up about her mental health and battling suicidal thoughts. All of that and much, much more in an amazing conversation. But once again, if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends as we try to help as many people as possible with their mental health. But now it is time for the latest episode here on The Mental Game with Erica Lugo. Welcome back into The Mental Game. As you can see, I got a very special guest with me, Erica Lugo, fitness coach and from The Biggest Loser. Yes. Thank you for having me inside your beautiful new home. Thanks. I know. We just moved in like two months ago. It's a beautiful space. <laughs> and if you can see, I think behind me in the frame, yeah. if you're watching on YouTube, yeah. the dog just snoring. 80 gram, 7,000. Not caring about us at all. No. But That's I, his personality. He doesn't I, care. Yeah. I love his energy. Thank you so much uh, for coming on The Mental sure. Game. You had reached out to me on Instagram and wanted to talk about your mental health mm -hmm. journey and something that's pretty recent you haven't opened up a ton about. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into that in this episode. Uh, but the first thing I ask everyone on the mental game is what does mental health mean to them? And, and people answer it in a variety of ways, whether yeah. it's something that they've been cognizant of from a young age, or maybe there's a traumatic mm -hmm. event that made them more aware of their mental health. But I ask you the same thing. What does mental health mean to you? Yeah, that's a really tough question for me because you and I spoke before this that mm -hmm. I've never really suffered from mental health before right. until this past year. So I think for me, mental health is honestly, I'm going to say it in different phrases. Like the, when the sun is shining, you feel like the sun is shining. Yeah. You know, when the birds are chirping, you can hear it and enjoy it. When it's nice out, you can enjoy it. It doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel dark or sad. It's just the way you are day to day. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's up and down. It yeah. varies. Like I mentioned, it's something that, that you've discovered more recently, mm -hmm. some of your mental health struggles. And we're going to get into that. But I want to give some background on your story because yeah. it is incredible. I mentioned The Biggest Loser where you were a coach a few years mm -hmm. ago. Yep. But you're, I don't know if rise to fame is the right way to put yeah. it or your, uh, sure. yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll put it that, that way. Yeah. Your rise to fame yeah. didn't start with that. It was very organic mm -hmm. and I don't even think it was part of your thinking, hey, I'm going to be an influencer Never. or have this many hundreds, thousands of followers, Never. but it was just you wanting to better yourself mm -hmm. physically. You lost over 160 pounds. I did, yeah. And this was in 2014, 15? 2013. My son, uh, Connor was born in 2010. He's 13 now. So yeah, like 2010, 2011 maybe. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're gonna, oh, wait, no, you're right. 2013, 14. Yes. I do my homework. <laughs> I don't do math in public. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I try to do my homework as a former reporter, <laughs> yeah. but that's kind of where this whole journey started in the public mm -hmm. eye of you posting, you know, your journey of losing all that weight, becoming a trainer. Yeah. Then, then you, you win a competition to, to, um, was, was, America's was, next fitness star. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was you. <laughs> it and was you're living me, yeah. it out here for the last yeah. 10 years, but your life before then, I want to get into mm -hmm. that just a little bit. What was your childhood like? Um, had weight always been a problem for you? Sure. And how did um, 
how did that just come about and be something that was on your mind all the time? Yeah. So for me, I, you know, I don't remember too much of my childhood. That's also something I've discussed, but I don't remember too much of my child from what I do remember is, you know, I grew up with a single mom. She was a single mom majority of my life. And I just remember her hustling all the time to make sure all three of us girls were taken care of. Mm -hmm. Um, she worked multiple jobs. She was gone a lot, obviously. So for me, it wasn't so much like traumatic in a sense with that, with her being gone, but like food was always just my coping skill. Food was always there. Um, but growing up though, too, I didn't realize I was overweight. Like it was never brought up to me. Like it was just what I was. No one ever really, I never got tormented or picked on in school. So it wasn't really a forefront for me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Even in high school, I was probably the only there was me and one other person named Cruz. I do remember that. And we were the only ethnic people in school. Yeah. Um, predominantly white school. So, you know, small, petite. I'm I'm like the tallest Mexican you'll ever meet in your life. Like I'm <laughs> 5'10". I used to be 5'11". But I'm 5'10". And I'm just built differently. I'm built larger. So I've kind of always stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. So for me, the weight just kind of was like naturally piling on because I'm bigger. And then I met my ex-husband. You get happy pounds. And then I got pregnant and I use that as an excuse. And then I did suffer from a little bit. Now knowing what mental health is, I definitely suffered from postpartum depression with my son. Mm -hmm. Looking back now that I've experienced, I'm like, oh, I did experience a little bit of sadness with that. Right. So I just ate with postpartum. Well, and I was going to ask you talk about that being a coping mechanism. And with mental health, that's one of the biggest things is realizing your healthy coping mechanisms, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, when they're happening, your unhealthy coping mechanisms, when did you realize that eating and binge eating was one of your things that helped you get through those tough moments? Yeah. So this is something I publicly discussed maybe about two years ago. Has it been two or three years since COVID? Three-ish. Okay. Yeah. So I remember we were on vacation with the kids. We took them to Florida. It was when I went, or not Florida, Hawaii, when everyone was able to travel again. Mm -hmm. And I was wearing a bikini and some commenters were like putting the cow emojis on there. We're saying moo. And I was like, wow, I'm like pretty much in one of my fittest moments and people are still saying that. And I just went on and said, and this was after The Biggest Loser. So clearly I've had a lot more following and like, yeah, public yeah. guy. So I simply just wrote like, hey, coming from someone who's had an eating disorder, you don't know what those comments can do to people. And that just kind of opened the floodgates. I'll never forget. My agents were calling me and I was on vacation. I'm like, what's going on? I guess all these magazines picked up. Erica Lugo had an eating disorder while on The Biggest Loser because I talked about how I had thoughts from a previous eating disorder while being on The Biggest Loser. Mm-hmm. So what I meant was I learned that binge eating was a thing when – I actually already lost all the weight. I was 160 pounds down and being on social media for your body image and your look and how pretty you are and how thin you are back then was really hard and influencers weren't really a thing yet Mm -hmm. and really learning to um, like those mean snarky blogs were kind of popular Yeah, Um, and they were just ripping me apart. So I actually developed binge eating and purging. So I became bulimic as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I suffered from bulimia for about six months, really bad until I actually got help and sought help for that eating disorder. So when I said those eating disorder thoughts came back, just like with mental health, they never go away. It never goes away completely. You always have to work on it. Yeah. It's a constant battle within your own mind. Mind, Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how that works. And, and you mentioned, um, going on vacation and Mm -hmm. the family that you have. Yeah. Um, I I think one of the game changing moments for you in your life was a story that you've told a lot, but Mm -hmm. with your son Mm -hmm. when he was younger and he asked you to play. And I just, I think that's a very powerful story for parents out there who 
might be in the same shoes as you were back then. Yeah. Yeah. Connor looked at me. I was working an HR job. You know, my ex-husband's a great man, but we were just, just sliding by in life and things weren't exciting and I was exhausted. So I used food, right? Like that was what my enjoyment was. It was cheap, right? Like a, yeah. we would survive off a little Caesars pizza, which was $5 and it would last us like a week. Did right? the same thing yeah. early on in my journalism career. Yeah, I'm sure. So, you know, food was easy access back then it was cheaper. So I just remember coming home from work and he looking up at me on the floor and he asked if he would, if I could play with him. And I, I told him no. And I was like, holy shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to yeah, you can but- say whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. My, my kid just asked if I could play with him. I'm literally in my twenties and I can't get off the couch and play with him. There's something wrong with that. So mm-hmm. I jumped on the scale. I dusted it off in the bathroom and I saw 322 pounds. And I said, like, I knew I was like overweight. I didn't realize I was that overweight. And that's right. what started it. And I give you all the credit in the world because this isn't like you went up to some fancy gym and signed up with no, a personal trainer. No, Fitness. Like you did mm-hmm. everything yourself and taught yourself. Yeah, I did. One of the most intimidating things for somebody, and I can remember me with the first time I really went into a gym was three or four years ago. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I yeah. hired a personal trainer, was taught some different things. But like for you, you had no idea what to do. You just walked in after you stepped on that scale mm-hmm. and saw a 300 plus and were like, I'm going to do this shit. Yeah, pretty much. An interesting story. A lot of people don't know this. Is I actually worked at Jenny Craig when I was pregnant with my son. Okay. I was the largest employee that they have had. And I was wildly successful because I had all these women relate to me. But Jenny Craig, which is a great program for some people, but they teach you the basics, right? Move more, eat less. Yeah. So that is what I went into when I went into my own weight loss journey. I was like, okay, I need to move more and I need to eat less. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I signed up at Planet Fitness. I moved every single day. Um, I ate lean cuisines, which we now know aren't healthy. But back then they were like 10 for 10 at Kroger, right? right? Like a dollar. So I would do that. And then I would take the trays from the food and I would save them to start learning how to portion control. And ah, I would, this okay. is like my, like, like yeah. the evolution of me. So back, like I, I smirk because we all start somewhere. I literally yeah. walked on a treadmill at Planet Fitness. I was eating lean cuisines to now I'm completely over here. Like I know all about women's hormones and gut health and what works for a woman's body and what doesn't work for a body. And just like how our body chemistries are different when it comes to fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I look at the two differences and I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of years of knowledge in between that. Yeah. And it's for, for me, I think of and I've seen it, and I think you've mentioned it before in interviews, having those inner thoughts of like, everyone's looking at me. No, yeah, especially on social media. Right, and when you're walking in a gym for those first few workouts, I mean, how do you have that self-confidence to just go do it? Or did you not realize that it was self-confidence? I didn't. So here's the thing. Everyone, you know, and so many people when it comes to their weight, they do have really hard and sad stories like they were bullied or their self-confidence was bad or x y and z i am very blessed that i never dealt with that and if i did i didn't notice it Mm -hmm. so for me when i went to planet fitness it was i I do remember a post where i was like i wore shorts for the first time and i remember it was like bright pink shorts and i posted these were selfie days on instagram selfies are outdated yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, just, I think so. You know, asking. reels are like king apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but I just went in there. I don't know if I was just like laser focused and I just had this goal in mind and I was starting to feel good that it didn't occur to me that people may have been judging me that size in the gym. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to me because I was just like, I just have to do this. And I've always kind of been that way. Now I will say since social has gotten more popular, since I have gotten more traction and I was on TV, now I'm intimidated going to the gym sometimes because I'm like, 
you know, after we'll talk about it, but after my mental health breakdown, I put on 25 pounds. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't move. I ate whatever I could just to get food in my system. Mm. I was sleeping for days. And so now walking into a gym, I'm more self-conscious now than when I was 322 pounds because of social media. Right. Yeah. It's no, social media has good, bad. Both of us have experienced, yep. I think both sides of it. Um, when did you start noticing that it was working and how did Ooh. that like help you just fuel the fire more to keep going? Because yeah. 160 pounds, that's like a whole nother person. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so when did you notice like it just start working for you? I don't know if there was like an aha or click moment. I just remember feeling so much better and feeling in control and feeling like, I can do something that I actually want to do. Yeah. And that is one of the main reasons that why I actually got a divorce was because it really awakened something in me that I don't have to settle. I don't need to live just to live and be content. Like I can achieve the things that I want to. And when you're overweight for so long and you struggle, when my ex-husband, and he's a great man and a great father, but like he was the first person to say, I love you. So I was like, that's it. Let's get married. Right. Like I just settled because I thought I wasn't going to ever get anything else in life. So it kind of like awakened this beast in me. Like I can do whatever the hell I say I want to (laughs) do. Like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, no. And that's an amazing, empowering feeling when you realize you can put your mind to something and do it. Yeah. So you go from, was it 322? 322. Yeah. And then you lose 160 pounds. Yeah. And you wanted to just get into training after that? Like it was just like. So this was like, this was my one aha moment. I was like, okay, everyone is asking me how to lose weight and how to to get healthy. And again, this is way back in social media days, right? We're talking 10 years ago. So I was like, I don't know what occurred to me. We were watching Sunday football and I said, I'm going to write an ebook. I was like, I don't know how to do an ebook. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> this was back in the day of like GoGo Daddy, where you could literally pay $7.99 for a website on GoGo Daddy. And I like YouTubed and Googled all these things about how to put an ebook on website. And I spent like 10 hours. I wrote an ebook on a Word document. It was the hardest thing to even figure out how to make it a PDF. And I said, <laughs> I that. we were watching football and we were going to go to a restaurant. And I said, I'm going to put this online. And I'm going to let people know it's online. And if I even make enough to like buy a new pair of workout shoes, I've made it. Like I was like, that is awesome. I come back and I sold like over a thousand dollars worth of this ebook. And I thought, holy shit, like people want to learn from me. Like there's something to this. Yeah. So then I started diving in how to get certified, got certified and it just kind of went off from there. My literal first program ever was called EFL for Erica Fit Love real chicks. And I kind of laugh because I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) But it worked and it worked. And the evolution of what I used to do training clients online to what I do now is like night and day difference. So the name Erica Fitlove, uh, give the backstory of how that came about. I kind of love this story because it's just so funny how everyone just knows me as Fitlove now. Yeah. But when Instagram first came out, you just pick a username. Like no one knew what Instagram was actually going to be. So I just did Erica Lugo 86, first name, last name, the year I was born. And then when I started getting traction, I thought, oh my God, I don't like want anyone to know like my real name, my last name, like what year I was born. Like people are creepy. Yeah. So back then Instagram had like an auto populate. I don't know if they do now, but I was like Erica fitness, Erica loves fitness, Erica loves working out, Erica weight loss. And it just auto populated based off those words, Erica fit love. I was like, click like that. (laughs) And then it just became this thing to now like all of my, most of my friends call me fit love. My husband calls me fit love. My kids call me fit love. Like no one at home calls me Erica. Like my son will come home and be like, Hey, fit love. What's for dinner? 
That's, everyone just calls me Fit Love. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah. So I can't call you Erica then. There's... Yeah, just got to be Fit Love. All yeah. right, Fit Love. Um, <laughs> see, it seems so natural now. Yeah, it does. It, it's a great name. Um, so you go from that incredible weight loss journey. Yeah. You get certified. You start mm-hmm. training. When does um, like the whole influencer social media thing start to take off? Because this is like kind of the inception of Instagram and mm-hmm. Twitter and everything when yeah. it's like, really, really starting to get going in like Mm -hmm. 2014, 2015, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I will never forget um, a big transformation website picked me up or transformation page picked me up. And like back then it was just sharing other photos, right? I think they call them theme pages now. Yeah. Um, But this big transformation page picked me up and shared my before and after. I think I only lost 50 pounds. And that's when I was like starting to blow up like night after night. And I just started running with it. And back then it wasn't so much like brand deals. You weren't getting those kind of things. Right. Companies weren't onto that yet. It was more like, what can you do for yourself and what can, digital products could you come out with? So like the ebook or online training. And then back then, you know, Netflix and things we st- we had, they were still new, but it was still network TV. Yeah. So it was like the Meredith Vieira show caught a wind to me and had me out. Rachel Ray had me out. The mm-hmm. Today Show had me out. So it was more of like media personality at that point. Right. And then it slowly started morphing into obviously like the magazine covers and then brand deals started coming on. So it slowly was like a a small evolution. It's not where it's where it is now where like, I feel like every, and and you may feel this way. I feel like every Instagram page out there now is like teaching you how to grow Instagram or teaching you side hustle money. Like maybe I'm just on the wrong side of Instagram and TikTok, but I feel like that's all that's out there right now. No, I agree. And being someone that runs their own business and show, um, and on the influencer side, like it's a hard thing to navigate because you're like, I want this to be natural and like real, but you got to make some money, but it's weird how some of the pages are, are catered towards that now. Yeah. It's like, that's all they teach. So, you know, Instagram is way different now than what it was. I thank my heavens that I got in when I did, because yeah. if I didn't, I definitely wouldn't have the following that I have now. Um, would I be successful? Sure. I don't think I would be as big of a scale as what I got to. Well, and that's how I was with Twitter, which isn't as popular now yeah. as Instagram and TikTok, but because sports is so big on Twitter, totally, I got yeah. into it right when I got you know, my first sports reporter job and those numbers just kept growing with every game and every press conference. So that was awesome for me. Um, your next like big break then Mm -hmm. after that was being, was it a coach or trainer on the biggest loser? The trainer. Yeah. They're the same thing. Coach or trainer. I just want to make sure I'm getting the word, the terminology, (laughs) right? Trainer. But you get that call that Mm -hmm. had to be an incredible full circle moment because you have this network, very popular show Mm -hmm. that's centered around, you know, weight loss, weight loss. Mm -hmm. And you're the poster child for this. Yeah, it's crazy. And you get that call. What was that moment like? So I actually got a DM. Someone slid into my DM. Love that. Yeah. She said, I think you'd be a really great fit. I'm a casting director. She worked for the casting team and she goes, I think you'd be a really great fit for the show. It's a weight loss show. We're looking for trainers. And I truly said, if this is anything like the biggest loser, I don't want to do it. And she was like, well, Well, it is. is. (laughs) Um, sorry. Um, and she said, well, it is the biggest loser. So I said, she goes, let me tell you, it's a complete 180. It's not the same. Yeah. So she told me it's more of a holistic approach. They're doing like the mindset, the mental health aspect. They have aftercare because they never had aftercare. They would just send these people home with, with no care or no guidance. Right. So I literally went through hell, three months of hell getting this job. And when I tell you it was meant for me to get this job because of all the hoops and ladders I had to go through, it was meant for me. So I, at the time I just got a brand new studio. 
I just was diagnosed with stage two thyroid cancer maybe four months beforehand and went through surgery and radiation. Um, I had employees for the first time, bought my first house by myself. So I was still a single mom. My son was what, four, four years younger than what he is now. Um, and I had to go through multiple interviews, be flown to California, which I was used to at that point with the media kind of stuff, but yeah. this was different. Um, got flown to California multiple times. Um, they had to run a background check on me and they said something popped up because I got in a car accident forever ago and the lady tried to sue my insurance. So I had to reach out to the lady and have her write a letter saying she wouldn't sue me again. Um, and then I had every certification under the sun except NASM. And they said, we need you to get NASM certified. People spend a year studying for NASM. It is literally the hardest certification you could get. And I was like, great. How long do you need me? Like, when do I need to pass it? And she was like, in two weeks. So I had to spend $700 on materials. Like I said, it was bought my own house, moving in, single mom, running a business. I literally stayed up to 4 a.m. with note cards, reading a book every day for 16 days. And 17th day, I had to go take a proctor exam. And if I didn't pass that, I was not going to get on the show. I passed it. So like everything just happened to where I was like, how do I not get this job? So I was working out and I get a phone call and she was like, do you want the good news or the bad news first? And I said, bad news first. And she goes, well, the bad news is you're going to be on a plane tomorrow in less than 12 hours, but you're going to be gone for five months. The good news is you got the job. So I literally had 12 hours to figure out who's going to run my business when I'm gone, who's going to handle my employees, how's my house that I just moved into going to be taken care of? The biggest thing, where's my kid going to go? I have animals. Like I had all these moving parts. Um, And not only that, I had clients at my studio too who who weren't allowed to know where I was going. No one was allowed to know what I was doing because People Magazine had the exclusive. So they were going to drop it in six weeks. So no one could know what I was doing. I had to be like, oh, I'm just going away for a project. It was awful. So I literally had 12 hours to get that together. And I did not believe it. I kept saying, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The driver picked me up. I was like, mm, still don't believe it until I get on the plane. Got on the plane. I was like, mm, I'm not going to believe it till I land. Yeah. I landed and then the producer team picks me up and brings me to my house in Santa Fe, which was just stunning that I got to live in for five months. They gave me my car. They gave me all. And I'm like, holy shit. What is and then I walked to the set the next day and I was like, nope, still don't believe it. Because I was at that point, I was like paranoid. Like, am I too big to be a trainer? Because I'm still, I'm tall. I'm 5'11". Even at the time of Biggest Loser, I was maybe a size 8, 10. Um, and I was like, they're not, they're going to like think I look different in person. Or yeah. I'm too big. And all these things. And I see my name on the wall and it says trainer, Biggest Loser, Erica Lugo. And I was like, that was my green room. And I was like, holy shit, I made it. That's- yeah amazing there's crazy. a lot of layers to get there so many layers but it, it's a an amazing full circle thing that like you yourself probably what seven eight years prior had no no like, inkling i worked hr i literally worked hr and i still love hr um but i worked hr so i was literally the person who um it was a food distribution company so we had warehouse and truck drivers yeah so i was a safety like osha person for hr so i was like wearing hard hats and high heels and like filling out forms and like workers comp like that was what i was doing i never dreamed wow. that i would be where i am now well there's two things that you mentioned there that i want to go back mm-hmm. on and your journey is incredible one the weight loss is i mean that's so hard to, to ha- set your mind to that yeah. achieve it but then also keep it off yeah so i give you major congratulations and Thanks. props for that because that's just a really inspiring story but there's always been hurdles mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people can relate to because you get past one thing and then it's like, fuck, here's yeah, something get else. Hit with another. And it's happened throughout the last eight, 10 years. It seems like the thyroid cancer mm-hmm. that happens 
right after you lose all that weight? Um, it was a couple years after I lost the weight. I mean, it was literally, I got diagnosed, um, the day after Thanksgiving, 2018. Um, and then I had surgery for a full thyroidectomy January, 2019. I had to wait for like the perfect doctor. So I had to go through the holidays, like knowing I had cancer and my son, I told my son and he looked at me and goes, are you going to die? Like, we didn't know how bad it was or what it was going to be. And it had already spread. So that was a scary feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I had radiation in March of 2019 and literally on Biggest Loser Campus, August of 2019. So were you, did you have thyroid cancer while you were shooting that? So I literally had my thyroidectomy and my radiation. And after radiation, the way thyroid cancer works is, well, any cancer, they can't, can't claim you cancer free until you're five years. So okay. at that point, it was my body was just kind of running on adrenaline because I just went through surgery and radiation and then I go to Biggest Loser. So I've kind of told people the last three years of my life, last two years, because Biggest Loser was one, my body is finally kind of settled into a routine of what it's like to live without a thyroid. And Biggest Loser, I was just pumped on with adrenaline for five months. And then I had a right. media tour and it was like a year of just like my, I didn't pay attention to my body and the signs it was telling me. Yeah. Um. So then COVID happened and obviously we were going to go back to filming and we couldn't. So that year was the hardest. And just even the years after without living with a thyroid, it's been really tough. So it's, it happened so fast. What, what are the challenges without having a thyroid? Does it make gaining the weight everything. so much more Yeah, easier? it's everything. Um, and no one ever prepped me for that. Like they right. said, oh, you're going to get medication. I have to take a pill every day for the rest of my life. If I miss two doses, like I can go into what they call a thyroid storm and die. Like it's, I literally depend on a pill to survive every day. But everything from like tired and people say, oh, I'm tired too. And I'm like, there's tired and there's thyroid tired, like not having a thyroid. Yeah. Um, like you get pain behind your eyes and like pressure behind your eyes. And then, you know, my voice, when I talk too much, you can hear I get raspy. Yeah. Um, the weight gain is really hard. Weight fluctuations, mood fluctuations. So anxiety, depression, all those things, which obviously just happened to me. Um, skin, hair, nails, you name it, everything. Like wow. that little gland literally controls everything and I don't have it. So you get done with the biggest loser. You said you yeah. went on a media tour. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with like learning just how to live yeah. post thyroid cancer mm -hmm. life and COVID happens. Yeah. And I think for everyone, and I don't know how to say this the right way publicly, but this is how I feel is that COVID-19, the pandemic, terrible thing. There's a lot of people that got sick, lost their lives, yeah. lost loved ones. The only good thing it did is it made everybody face their mental health. Mm-hmm. That's the way I feel because I was like patient zero and I waited. I've thought about suicide since I was 14. Yeah. Didn't go to therapy until 2020 in mm, March. Wow. And it's like, if I'm struggling that bad, I assume everyone else that's struggling a little bit less yeah. hasn't gone to therapy or thought about it either. Mm. So the pandemic made mental health a real priority Big time. for a lot of people. Um, when was the first time you started realizing that you had dealt with maybe some OCD and anxiety mm. And just kind of felt that, um, I don't know, that that weird feeling inside mm -hmm. of like, I don't feel okay. Yeah. So I had, after Biggest Loser and obviously COVID and people going back to normal, and I knew we weren't going to go back to filming anytime soon, just because kind of like now with the writer strike, COVID prolonged a lot of production. So high, network's pri highest priority shows were going first. And I just knew Biggest Loser wasn't a high priority. So I knew it was going to, I wasn't probably going to be on that show for another year or two if we were going back. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I decided to compete in a bodybuilding competition because I was like, what the hell? What else? Yeah. And I also feel like that's kind of the natural evolution of any fitness weight loss account. Like everyone expects you to compete. The sport has always intrigued me. And I thought, okay, I'm in a mindset right now where I can do it. So I competed um, a year, what, 2021, okay. 2021 in a bodybuilding fitness competition, did really well, loved it, had a blast. I thought I felt great, mentally felt great, physically felt great. And I said, well, let's go ahead and do this again. So I took a break, obviously, because you have to gain weight back to build muscle. There's a whole process. Yeah. And so I was starting my cut. I was starting my cut last fall, September-ish. And I remember going to posing practice and I told my posing coach, I was like, I just like, I just feel weird. I'm like, I feel buzzy. Like I'm waking up and literally I feel like my insides are buzzing. And I just kind of shook it off. I got through Halloween. Um, then a little bit before Thanksgiving, so a couple weeks, you know, I tell my husband, I'm like, I'm still struggling. Like I physically can't work out. I feel weird. Like something's not right. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe you have anxiety. Like go to your doctor and talk to them. Go to my doctor. She literally spent five minutes with me. This is just my basic family doctor. Yeah. She spent five minutes with me and she goes, yeah, sounds like anxiety. She goes, I'm going to write your prescription for Zoloft. She goes, it works really well for people. You might feel like you want to crawl out of your skin for a couple of days and that'll subside, but like, just let me know. So within three-ish, four days of taking Zoloft, I was like pacing the kitchen floor. And I remember going like this, like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I sat in my bathroom and I had suicidal thoughts of literally like graphic suicidal thoughts. And I was like, like this is not me. Like this is coming from someone who's never once had any mental health issues, maybe a little bit of postpartum, but that was just sadness, not suicidal ideation. And I was freaking out. I didn't know who to tell. And I, I, I physically didn't feel well either. Like I was an insomniac. I couldn't eat. I was nauseous. I was shaking all day. Literally the moment I woke up until I went to bed, I kept telling people I am not okay. Like something's not right. So I, I go to back to my doctor and at that day, I literally felt like my skin was crawling. Like I was like, I wanted to cut my skin like that. I can remember thinking, I want to cut my skin just to get out of it. And she was like, obviously that we need to take you off this. She's like, yes, it comes with the black box warning. She goes, and we tell people like normally if it's not that, you know, tough to just push through it. Cause with antidepressants, you need to push through like the first three months. Apparently yeah. she's like, this is, we don't want you to push through this. So then they put me on Buspar. And Buspar made me enraged to the point where I told my husband, I cannot be trusted driving. I will literally drive my car through a wall. And this is, again, coming from me who's never said any of this stuff, felt this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it started happening where the images that Zoloft gave me of suicidal ideation, OCD picked that up. So I've always been a little bit obsessive. Like people have always joked like, Erica, you're super hyper fixated on stuff. Like when I want to do something, I will do it. You can't tell me no. Right. I will pick a new hobby and I'll spend a thousand dollars and I just hyper fixate. I never knew that that was OCD. I thought it was like germs or like compulsions with like yeah. priorities. So um, not only until just honestly, maybe six months ago did I get diagnosed with that because I thought me hyperfixating on the images that Zoloft gave me meant that I was suicidal. And I thought, oh, but I don't feel like I want to die, but maybe I do because I'm thinking these things so often. And so finally, until I met with an OCD specialist, did they say, you're OCD. That's called Puro. That's called self or that's called harm OCD. And I was mm -hmm. like, I had no idea this was a thing. Right. So before that, I obviously went to therapy and I did EMDR, which has been life-changing mm -hmm. for me. I still see my EMDR specialist every week now. 
Um, but backtracking, I even came up with, you know, like a safety plan for myself. I remember laying in bed, just feeling really sad and like everything just felt heavy Right. and just, and this happened during the fall. So it's dark already. It's like cloudy and the weather's not great. Um, and I just remember laying in bed before I took my stepdaughter to volleyball, Googling luxury mental health facilities, like I'm bougie enough to say luxury because that's what I did. But I was like, <laughs> I need to go someplace that has sunshine and like I know my insurance isn't going to do that. It's going to be a state run facility and I don't I don't want to be put in a state run facility. But I remember Googling places and writing them down and tucking it away in my sock drawer and told my husband like that's my emergency plan. Um, it got really bad one day. I was laying in bed and I told my husband, I was like, I can't describe like how I'm feeling right now. I said, but I feel very like, um, what's the word? Comp- not compulsive, like reactive like yeah. i'm really reactive right now like if there was a bridge i would go jump off like that's how i feel and i'm bawling i'm crying and i'm like i don't know what's wrong with me i'm like i don't feel safe by myself so i he literally texts my father and like my in-laws and was like fit love needs someone to stay with her my best friend stayed with me my mom stayed with me and i just like i almost reverted like revolt reverted back to childhood like my mom was there i remember the christmas tree was up because it was around christmas and the lights are like pretty and i'm just she's rubbing my head in her lap and she's like i could cry and was thinking about it. she's like you're gonna be okay and i'm like i don't feel okay and i was scared like i really thought i was gonna do something I mean, you, even now you can see like, that's not me. And thinking of that is like terrifying. I have a beautiful life and great kids. And I just remember crying and I cry now, not because I'm still sad, but because I'm like, I can't believe I was there or people experience that. So I just continue to get help. Um, I, this sounds crazy, but like I have so many great resources where I knew that something wasn't chemistry, like right in my body, maybe not my brain. Like I Mm -hmm. knew something obviously was not right there. But having learned all the things that I've learned about a woman's health and her hormones, I'm like, something's not right with me. And I'm going to get graphic. Sorry if men are watching this. But like I was having three periods a month. I was sweating the bed and like all this happened and I'm mentally really struggling. Like something's not right. So I ran a Dutch test with my company, which is a hormonal Dutch test. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, my hormones were tanked. I was literally going through perimenopause. My thyroid levels were awful. Yeah. All of those things was a perfect storm. And then adding the Zoloft on top of it just kind of made it really bad. Um, And I have friends and family who are on antidepressants and it's life-saving for them. Like it's absolutely life-saving and I so wish it worked for me. Um, And there's tests out there that you can take. We discussed that to see what one more worked best for you. And and lo and behold, the ones that I was put on were not my right ones. Right. Um, But after I started getting better, and fixing my hormones and, and working with like, I take hormone replacement therapy and, and fixing my thyroid and, and really honing in on those modalities with my therapy, OCD therapy, EMDR, and I do somatic therapy. I started getting better to the point like now I'm like, I don't need medication. Yeah. Um, I still have the prescription of Pristique that was on my green light on my gene site. I still yeah. have it in my bedside and I think it's kind of a safety feeling yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, that snowballed really quickly. <laughs> Yeah, well, I give you, first off, all the credit in the world to be able to open up and tell that story. And I feel that same emotions because I've been through some of those same thoughts. And it is such a scary moment because when you're in it, you feel like you're never going to get out of it. Yeah. And you feel helpless. And it's just so crazy to look back at where I was Mm -hmm. probably 
16 months ago. Yeah. And it's the same thing where I'm laying in bed every day and, and I'm depressed, crying, wrote mm-hmm. a goodbye letter, took pills, thought about jumping off a bridge, wanted to lay down in traffic one day. Like there's yeah. just so many things that, 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 that go towards that depression mm-hmm. that those suicidal thoughts that just hurt you so much. Um, when you were having those thoughts and mm-hmm. going through those moments, and I know it was emotional for you and I respect you so much for opening up about that just how scary was it? Because for mm-hmm. someone that's like never felt those things before to all of a sudden be suicidal and mm-hmm. think about, you mentioned jumping off a bridge or yeah. feeling like you needed to cut your skin off. Mm-hmm. How scary were those suicidal thoughts? Insanely scary. Like I, and then it's not only like scary, you also feel shameful that you had those thoughts to begin with. And mm-hmm. you're like, why? Like my life is great. I have an amazing husband. I have an amazing career. I've I've reached everything I've wanted. I'm successful in every sense of the word. Like, why do I feel this way? And then you're scared to even tell anyone. Yeah. Um, and you know, people will love you and want to care for you, but like when you are mentally struggling, there's they struggle too, right? And yeah. there's only so much that they can take. And I, I learned that really quickly. As much as my family loves me, there's only so much they can take. And I will never forget this conversation. I was having a really bad day. And this was again in December and January, which honestly I feel like was my worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband and I, before we bought this home, we bought land. And it was like going to be our dream home. It was almost two acres. It was on a beautiful hill where it overlooked the city. And we were in the process of like talking with builders and he, I'm really sad one night and he's like, just get in the car with me. And we drive to our land and he goes, look, fit love, like, look, like you bought this. Like I had bought that land myself and he was like, you bought this, like, look what's going to happen. And I cried and I looked him in the car and I said, I'm not going to make it until we build this house. And he was like, what do you think life's going to be like without you? And I was like, I don't know, like probably good for you guys because you just think that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll never forget that conversation and how much he just was like, I can't live without you. And he's like, and if, if he's like, but I can't watch you all the time. That's what he said. He's like, I can't watch you all the time. You have to fight this battle yourself and we have to get you help. So for him saying that, like he can't watch me all the time. I was like, wow. Cause when you're depressed, I feel like you must lean on your resources too much sometimes. Yep. And you really rely on those people. But at the end of the day, you really have to take And for my husband to say, I can't watch you all the time. I was like, wow, I'm going to have to be by myself again. Like this is when I was having people stay with me and do Mm -hmm. this stuff. And I was like, people are going to go on with their lives. I'm going to have to learn how to do this. Well, for me, it was always that alone feeling and being by yourself and being single. And so what you just said about relying on the ones that you love too much. Yeah. I think about just kind of where I was at with my ex and I breaking up and I was suicidal because of a lot of things. I had three deaths in the family, but her and I were breaking up and I yeah. thought we might get married. And so like looking back, you put so much pressure on one person mm-hmm. or your family or your friends where it's like, no one's built to handle all this. Of that. Yeah. All of that. Or you're not built to handle it by yourself. Yeah. Um, so you have to figure out a way to get help the most. Your son, I think is trying mm-hmm. to get out of his yeah, room to come in through here. Oh, okay. Sorry. We're going to keep all this in, by the way. So this is perfect. (laughs) This is my life though. This is my life. Like four dogs, three kids. And so (laughs) speaking about what we spoke about, I had a family to take care of during this. Yeah. And I tried to hide all this from them as much as I could. Sure. Um, 
and I was still doing volleyball practice, soccer practice, and, you know, taking my son to his dad's and managing and during the holidays and still like not even being vocal about it on social media. Yeah. And I had a friend, um, who she said, Erica, don't show this side of your life. And I'm very thankful for her. She's an amazing friend. She was very supportive of me. And when I needed to text someone, she was there, but she said, don't, don't share this part of your life. Like you need to be that person for people to be strong and them admire and this and that and like shiny and fun. And that's, they go to you for this stuff. And I thought, I can't be that person right now. Like I, I can't, I can't fake it. So then I started slowly talking about it on social media, but my stepdaughter who was here earlier, um, we were on a walk just a couple months ago and, and keep in mind, like I've literally just had a turning page maybe about six months ago where I've completely like functionable and happy and things like that. That's when you called me originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were on a walk six months ago and she was like, my husband and I were talking about me and therapy or something. Cause we're really open about it. Yeah. And she goes, do you not think I knew you were going crazy? She goes, I have ears. And she said it in such an innocent way because right. they don't really understand, but they saw a change in me. And to them, that's another reason why I want to open up so much about it. They automatically correlate those struggles with someone going crazy and it's not going crazy. It's someone who's got these demons on the inside in their brain that they don't want to live with. Right. We have to help a person get through. Um, so that was kind of a light bulb moment for me too. Like the innocence of them being like, we knew you were going crazy. And I was like, wow, that's kind of like a harsh word, but to them it's innocent. Like they don't know any better. They really don't know what mental health is. Right. Well, and that's the way the world has changed in the last 10 years. I mean, I remember being in school from, and I graduated college in 2015. So just under 10 years ago, never in, Elementary school, high school, college was mental health mentioned in a classroom ever once. Yeah. And so it really has been, I feel like heavy push last five to 10 years, but really since 2020 for everyone to look at their mental health or to start talking about it. And that's why I give you so much credit because I don't know, we were talking before we started rolling. I don't Mm -hmm. remember which episode it was, but you sent me a DM after you saw one of the episodes and we're like, I want to open up. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about this. We hopped on a call. It's been a couple months in the making. Yeah. But when you talk about it, it really does help other people. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, being a sports reporter, most people used to come up to me and talk about Joe Burrow had this many yards in a game. How much fun was it to interview him after that? Or what happened with this college football game? Now it's, hey, you've opened up about your mental health. It really helped me um, because I lost my mom to suicide. Or I started going to therapy after I saw this episode with Ricky Williams. Yeah. And so once I kind of got that Mm -hmm. vibe, which like people that watch and listen to this all the time know my backstory, but that was when I go, okay, Mm -hmm. it's worth it. It's worth talking about it. Yeah. You talk about your one friend Mm -hmm. saying, don't show this side of you. I've had people, um, most 99.9% people that I love and have my life you know, support this journey Mm -hmm. and want me to open up about it. But there have been times, you know, I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but I've been denied insurance for certain things because of my own mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what if I, what if this show doesn't work out Mm -hmm. and I have to go get a normal job Are people not going to hire me because I've talked about suicide and Mm -hmm. alcoholism and different things. It's like, you think about those things, but also I think the more powerful side of it is where you and I are at, where you feel like you have to talk about it because it's the real you and it can help mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to follow up after that because you said that so well, but 
you know, people for so long on Instagram did come to me because I am like, before all this happened, I am very bubbly and funny and had a great like sense of humor and just like, duh, 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 duh. like I'm always doing something and people love those parts of my personality. And yeah. then just for me to like lose all of that was really eye opening and for people to continue. And obviously my income comes from online, right? right? How much I can sell, what my brand image is. And not only that, mentally, but like I said, I put on 25 pounds because I started hormone replacement and had a mental breakdown. So like those combinations put on 25 pounds. I'm known for like fitness. I'm known for like having a banging body and teaching you how to do these things and to completely lose that part of myself during this breakdown and then lose myself mentally too. Like I I didn't know if I was going to live to see next year, like truly. It was a lot. Um, and like you said, you you get some pushback from people. And even now, I think it's a bit shocking for people how open I am about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I when I started getting better, you know, I started seeing people again and, and make, making myself be social again and surround yeah. myself. Right off the bat, I'd be like, yeah, so I had a mental breakdown. Um, I'm back now, but this is what happened. And they're like, like hi. <laughs> you yeah. know? But for me, it's it's so important to talk about because just like you – it's so cliche to say so many people have reached out to me as they do you and be like, wow, I suffer from this too. Or just the last post that I made about the intrusive thoughts and OCD. Most people don't realize intrusive thoughts are OCD. They don't realize if you have a recurring intrusive thought, Mm -hmm. it is not necessarily suicide ideation. It is OCD. Yeah. And that was really hard for me to learn. And when I shared that people were like, oh my God, I have this and I've never said anything about it, but it makes me feel like I'm going crazy. Like I would think about what Zoloft did to me in my mind, that image it gave me over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. It would occupy hours of my day and it would loop. And I would just feel like, well, this is what my my brain wants to do. I might as well go do it. And I thought it was suicidal ideation. It's OCD. Yeah. Um, So sharing it and sharing the resources I've had, like ERP, exposure therapy for my OCD, Um, for my intrusive thoughts, which I never thought I could expose myself to intrusive thoughts. I thought it was like compulsions. It's right. wild. I hate doing ERP therapy with, if anyone's in the home because they'll be like, what is she doing? It's <laughs> wild. Um, but like, you know, getting ERP, somatic therapy, EMDR, a lot of people have never heard of these modalities. Yeah. And it's finally coming to light and people are like, whoa, there's so much more out there than just an antidepressant and talk therapy, which work amazing. Right. But there's so many more options now. You did see a therapist though, right? Like a dude talk therapy? Oh, I did. I'd still do it. So okay. my EMDR therapist is a talk therapist. So we'll 50-50 depending on what I need to work through. Right. Um, I even saw a psychiatrist for a while. Um, I even made my husband come with me to the psychiatry appointment. And this is a story. But um, I don't know if we have time. But I'll oh, go, yeah, go real ahead. Um, Until the red light goes out. Goes we're out. good. Okay, I'll let the red light. <laughs> Um, but obviously when you're exploring antidepressants, you need help, right? So I saw a psychiatrist and I told her the first two didn't work. So my husband was like, I'm going to go with you because I need to know what's going on. And like, you're wanting to try all these different things. I just need to make sure like we're on the same page. Give him credit for, yeah. Absolutely. So he went with me and he was like, okay, this medicine made her feel like she was going crazy. What are we going to do? She was like, okay, we're going to put her on this medicine. He was like, that's great, but she can't sleep. So what are we going to do? She goes, oh, we're going to give her something to sleep. He goes, great, but she can't eat. She's she's nauseous all the time. Oh, we'll give her something for that. And then I said, well, last time I tried all any of these things, it made me have major mood swings. She's like, oh, we'll give you mood stabilizer. So my husband literally looked at her dead in the eye and goes, you're going to give her four medications right now 
without really acknowledging what she's been through, how she eats, how she sleeps, what her hormones are, what her medical background is. And she was like, it's kind of like a guessing game, which it is. Sadly, it is. Right. But right there, I think, was mine like, okay, I, I can't do this again. So yeah, I still do talk therapy, EMDR therapy, somatic therapy, um, and what was EMDR, exposure therapy. So I pay out of pocket by myself because my insurance, like you, will not cover it. Yeah. And if it did cover it, wait lists were three or four months long. And at that time when you're having suicidal ideation, you can't wait three or four months. Right. Um, and I'm very blessed that I make a great income. However, I like quote unquote joke to people, I am literally going to go broke to make sure I stay sane and healthy mentally because I am paying $400 a week out of pocket. And I took a year off work pretty much right. to mentally be better. It is wild how the whole mental health space where you want to help people and help them get better and go yeah. to therapy or check into a place if they need to, like I did. And there's the whole insurance side of it and yeah. the political side of it, which I told you before this, I'm learning on my own. Yeah. Being denied for certain insurance and, and different problems that I've had in the past. I'm not going to speak on it yet because I want to learn everything. But with therapy, there's a lot mm -hmm. of people that I'm sure watching and listening that were like you, mm -hmm. never really had a thought of um, depression or anxiety or suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts. And now they've gone through it recently where they're thinking about therapy. Yeah. What did you like about therapy and just talking to somebody and kind of telling your story mm -hmm. to a stranger that helped you navigate that, that dark time in your life? Yeah. I really enjoyed the fact that it's like an unbiased opinion. Um, and it was also someone who I didn't feel like was forced to listen to me. Like my family, like my poor husband, like <laughs> to have one wife, one minute and completely a different wife, another, yeah. and, and to be super supportive during that. Right. Like, like we said, you can only count on those people so much. And he said, I can only watch you for so much and, and hear you for so much until I can't do anything about it anymore. Mm -hmm. So just having that person who knew what I was going for was opening to listen. I didn't feel bad that I was dumping all this on her was amazing. But I also really like how she's made me not only process what I went through, you know, and trauma and talk therapy and all that stuff, but she's also helped me create a lot of new healthy habits like creating boundaries um, or not feeling sorry for not being okay. Like I used to feel like a burden for – right being depressed. So different coping mechanisms that I have been forced to learn week over week that I actually will use. So like sometimes I'll start doing this. It's my butterfly hug for bilateral. And my kids are like, oh, Fit Love's a little bit stressed. Like let's just give her moments. And I'll just like bust that out when I'm feeling it. Or I'll go do a somatic lunge or I'll go listen to bilateral music or I'll journal. Like I have all these different tools in my yeah. tool belt now. And instead of just sitting in my toolbox, I actually know how to use them, which, right. is, which is what therapy has taught me. Like, it's great to learn these things, but you can't, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. Therapy has made me drink them. Right. And this is something I've said on a few episodes now. And I tell people whenever they start asking about therapy or checking into a hospital for mm -hmm. mental health and what you learn and how you get past it and, and start to feel better because it is a constant battle. Yeah. But like. You mentioned having the tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. The thing is, for hundreds of years, we've never been taught to have that toolbox. Yeah, ever. So to like, I, I love the work that everyone does in mental health, especially at the Linder Center of Hope in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. Ohio. Which was totally on my list of safety, by the way. Amazing. Yeah. Saved my life. I, I love everyone there, and they're a big reason why mm -hmm. I'm here today. And I'm not discrediting the work that they do or 988 or any type of nonprofit with mental yeah. health that has resources 
but it's not rocket science. Most of what you learn, yeah, it's no. just the <laughs> fact that you've never been taught it before. Yeah, and that for me, as a, I was twenty eight. 27 when I went through that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how old you were when you went through your stuff, but it's like, we're adults. We should have our life figured Mm -hmm. out and should be able to get through moments like this. Well, guess what? We're never taught how to deal with that stuff. And so I think when you open up about therapy and the things that you've learned or talking about it on a show like this, it really can help people. And now Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you like the really important question, which is how are you now? So much better. Okay. I I won't lie and say that I don't struggle some days. Um, The OCD thoughts have diminished almost 95%, which I'm so, and it's not because I don't have them. It's because I've learned through ERP that a thought is just a thought. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, And I've exposed myself to those intrusive thoughts through eight eight or 10 weeks now of ERP where it's been really helpful. Um, But like today when it's a little bit dark outside, I feel a little bit like sad. And then I don't know about you, but like the moment you start feeling a little bit of something, then you kind of, I'm still at that like baby stage where I'm like learning how to walk as a deer kind of thing. (laughs) We're like, okay, I've learned all these things. I'm better, but like I'm scared it'll come back or I'm scared this feeling's coming back. And you just kind of fear that sometimes, which then I think makes me feel a little sad. Yeah, no, I feel that too. I mean, like we were talking about before, I'm about to hit, I guess, next week, assuming I don't have a drink in the next week, Yeah, like six months sober. And it's like, thank you. Yeah. And just, there's some nights like last night, I'm just stressed out about Mm -hmm. planning different shoots or doing this interview with you. Not that you're not an amazing person, (laughs) but it's like, I have business meetings after this and I got to drive back to Cincinnati. It's like, there's just so many things that go through your head. And it's like, once you have those tools, Mm -hmm. even though it's not easy right away, you at least go, all right, what do I like to do? Yeah. I like to like just drive around and listen to music to calm me down. So what am I going to do? I'm going to hop in the car. Yeah. Sober mm-hmm. and drive around and just listen to my favorite artist and just kind of take the weight off. Yeah. Like, there's just so many stressors and, and bad coping mechanisms that mm-hmm. you learn to detach from your life, but you still have to deal with them and battle every day. Yeah. Um, and so I give you all, all the, the praise and credit in the world for opening up. I know like doing this show was was kind of a big deal because you haven't really Huge. opened up about mm-hmm. your mental health before. So thank you so much for trusting yeah, me with those emotions and those stories. Um, what are you up to now besides uh, yeah. taking care of dogs, including <laughs> the one that's been sleeping behind us the entire four dogs, a husband, three kids, multiple businesses. Um, so we were just discussing. You know, obviously there's a writer strike going on. Yeah. People don't know that I've been working on a show for the last year and a half and we were so close like so close right um like networks were interested production companies people have been casted all that things um and we're on writer strike now and it's being prolonged or the production cup like all these different things are happening so um i filmed a show before the biggest loser locally with a production team who are very dear friends with of mine and literally just three of us we filmed this whole show for a whole summer and edited it it's out on amazon prime it's called i am and i was telling them about the writer strike and just the delays and they're like why don't you just film this show on your own and i was like i totally could i've done it before right um so we're actually going to start filming in september nice awesome which is amazing um and then you know just like my normal thing, my my whole brand is changing. I feel like it's a really big transformation. I think especially if you've come out of anxiety and depression, you are going to be a different person. I've had to learn to mourn who I was, but accept who I'm becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, my passions are changing. I 
used to think it was depression talking where I was like, man, I don't wake up at 7 a.m. and look forward to hitting the gym for three hours anymore. I was like, is that depression? Right. It's not depression. I'm just, my passions are changing. I love fitness. I love working out, but for different reasons versus like taking content and look at me and how little can I get and how many muscles, how big of muscles can I get? It's more of like I'm moving because it's good for my mental health. It's good for my physical health and I enjoy movement. Right. Um, But my brand is changing. It's no longer just Erica Lugo, biggest loser fitness trainer. It's Erica Lugo, women's health advocacy, like the health of a woman as a whole, Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, emotionally, hormonally. There's so many, we're so complex as humans, but as women especially, that we're not being heard on so many levels when right. it comes to our mental well-being and physical well-being, that that is what I'm changing. And I think there's so many aspects of your life where maybe there is a woman watching or listening that has struggled with their weight and didn't know what to do. Or there's a, a woman that's never gone to therapy before mm-hmm. or a young, a young girl that's listening to the show and, you know, is seeing their, their favorite influencer on TikTok yeah. and Instagram and doesn't know, like, if that's kind of a path they maybe want to go through, mm-hmm. like you're able to hit so many different. I've been through a lot areas. in 36 years. Yeah. <laughs> a um, lot. And I mean that in like a good way because yeah. you're, you have that knowledge and you have that base. And now the fact that you're comfortable and that's the big thing for me is like, I had to make sure I was comfortable making this who I am, my mm-hmm. life and like talking to people about it 24 seven. We're like, I'm kind of numb telling my story where like, you know, I appreciate you for opening yeah. up, but this is one of the first times where you tear up a little bit because you're mm-hmm. talking about it publicly. Yeah. Me, I don't really get in that. There's some times where I do, mm-hmm. like when I'm speaking at bigger events or I have a bad day, but it is like weird getting comfortable talking about mental health yeah. and suicide and everything that you've gone through. So like, again, I can't thank you enough for opening up with me yeah. and telling your story. It's very, very powerful um, for everyone listening and maybe kind of the categories I just said, but somebody that wants to follow in your footsteps. Um, I don't know. It it can be a multiple choice uh, answer or you can give multiple answers. That's I was terrible at school. (laughs) I didn't explain that right. But I was going to say if somebody wants to, you know, start that weight loss journey or maybe they want to become a trainer or Mm -hmm. they want to start tackling their mental health, I'll just give you the floor. However you want to answer the question of best advice to someone listening, I think probably specifically women that, that you want to help with their own health? Yeah. That's a really broad question, Brandon. Like that's a tough I know. One. Sorry, we got 20 minutes left. Of the I know, card, but, so. but for <laughs> me, honestly, it's, I have learned so much with everything that I've gone through mentally, physically, you name it. I've been through it all. Um, that at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy. And sometimes you feel like what, sometimes you think, you know, what makes you happy. Right. And it's not what really makes you happy. It's what social media and content and what the world has made us feel like makes us happy. If that makes sense. Yep. I get it. Um, I'm at a point in my life at 36 years old. I've literally been bankrupt, divorced, laying on a mattress, single mom, thyroid cancer, health scares, mental health scares. Um, and I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, it's okay for me to not be Erica fit love all these glamorous things. It's okay for me to love being a wife, a mom and a business owner. And that's okay. I don't have to be glamorous anymore. I used to think that that's what made me happy. It right. doesn't make me happy. It's what I thought made me happy. Yep. So really truly find out what makes you happy, even if it goes against everything that we've been taught to make us happy. You're good with words. You gave yeah. me credit earlier, but I think you're just, <laughs> you're just as good with the inspiring words. There's two things that I want to point out um, before we sign off. It's like things that I always give people advice for with mental health is one, do something, whether it be call a friend, tell yes. your mom, go to Talk therapy, to whatever it is, 
just do something because you have to choose to do that too. Yep. And I think we're both living examples of it is those feelings that you're having, whether it be depression, anxiety, OCD, suicidal thoughts, feelings are temporary mm-hmm. and you can't see it that's in so that hard moment. To say, yeah. it, like I, that's what I go back and look at where I was, where I was three months of being suicidal, mm-hmm. not wanting to get out of bed, just so, 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 so depressed, but they are temporary. And yeah. I think this is where I am now. This is where you are now. I, I promise that your story is going to help somebody listening, yeah. watching, and probably a lot of people, not just one. But for me, like that's where I think of it is yeah. like if it just helps one person, it makes it all worth it to me. Yeah. And I think to, to end that off too, like you said, they're they're temporary. And as hard as it is to get through that, because there's so many people like me where antidepressants didn't work. Right. And we feel broken. And I don't think that's really talked about a lot. A lot of people heal and they don't say, well, I healed because I'm on antidepressants or I healed because I did this modality. People just say I'm healed. And yeah. they don't really talk about what got them there. And um, there's lots of people that think like you, it helped you. Antidepressants helped you. They help yeah. family members that I have. Yeah. Who are, I'm so thankful that they're here because of the antidepressant. But for me, they didn't. So for people who they don't work for or maybe too many side effects and it made you worse, that was hard for me. Like I'm broken. Medicine can't even help me. How am I going to survive this? Right. And you just have to keep like, that's why I did every modality until I could find what worked for me. Because I remember what my husband said. I can't watch you all the time. Yep. You're going to have to live and do it on your own. The answer yeah. is not the same for everybody. Yeah. We all have the same goal to live happy healthy life. That sounds like a commercial. I, I know it to sound so like cheesy. that, but Sorry. it's so true. But once you go through this, <laughs> I'm like, live, laugh, love. Like I want it everywhere. Exactly. Well, I was going to thank you and call you Erica, but I feel like I have to fit call love. you fit love. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Fit love for coming thank on the mental you. game. This was amazing. And we will see everybody right back here next week. And that was an amazing conversation with Erica. I can't thank her enough for really opening up about her weight loss journey, her mental health. And as you heard her say throughout the episode, she really hasn't talked about those suicidal thoughts before. So I can't thank her enough for feeling comfortable to do that on The Mental Game. Her story is so, so, so inspiring. Next week, it is the beginning of Suicide Prevention Month. That is the month of September And I have a very, very, very special guest. It's somebody who is super close to me, maybe the person in this world that I am the closest with. That is my guest. That is your hint for next week right back here on The Mental Game. 